Darren. Yes, Andy. What's the best thing you ever chainsaw? Hello and welcome back to Best Thing I Ever Chainsaw, where we nibble and nosh on a cinematic amuse-bouche from the horror genre. I'm Andy Schmidt. I'm Taryn Peterson. Taryn, how did we get here? Good question, Andy. I never know what to say there. You'll get better at it. Look, it's our second. <laughs> You've had two. True. You've had two so far. I can only imagine. I, I'm still in the editing process of episode one. We'll see how that goes. Look, <laughs> <laughs> it's like episode seven before any of these are uploaded. Well, we, we want a good buffer. That's true. We want a good buffer. We have buffers. Well, we've, we've got accents now. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I said we would start. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew, knew I had a lot of business. We had a lot of business. It's our show. It's our show. A lot of We had a lot of pre-pro this week. <laughs> Too um, much. <laughs> but right, I have, look, I'm, I'm carrying, I've been carrying some anxiety about the the herky-jerky <laughs> list of list of movies that we're going through. I think we probably mentioned this on episode one. Look, still in the editing process for episode one, but this first round of, of movies or episodes that we're doing, it's all in service of preparing for our sequels episode uh, for Best Thing I Ever Saw, our horror movie sequels episode. So last episode, episode one. Which started with a five. <laughs> Friday the 13th, part five. Moving on to Critters this week. Then moving on to Critters 2. But then, and this sounds so cheesy, and like we're kind of rerouting people the best thing I ever saw. But if you're, if you're a rabid fan and you want to hear us talk about Critters 3, I guess you'll have to listen to the best thing I ever saw, colon horror sequels. Kind of tricksy like that, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, but I know I'm cooking up. We're cooking up. It's our show. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> I'm cooking up a good a good franchise for us to dive into uninterrupted post. Oh, I bet that I bet I popped a lot there. Pop locked and dropped. It? I was gonna say I bet I popped <laughs> just like Violet there. Uh, working up a franchise for us to get into post uh, the horror sequels episode of Best Thing I Ever Saw. We look forward to that. How you doing? Fine. I'm on my third cup of coffee today. Yeah, we sort of came full circle here. So last time we recorded episode one, still which I'm still editing, Taryn showed up with one coffee. <laughs> I did. And I had to have my Trader Joe's instant iced coffee, which is actually really good. I wasn't drinking it the right way at first. And I don't think I was drinking it right when uh, I had it. When we recorded episode one, but uh, well, you enjoyed it. That's all the. That well, no, I'm a full. No, I'm a full convert now. But yeah, you showed up with one coffee, despite there being two of us, and as some, I guess, form of poetic justice, we both wound up with two coffees here this morning, <laughs> because uh, someone ordered you a latte with almond milk, which you can't have. So I have two lattes with almond milk. You brought a coffee. One coffee again. 
and a bagel and we had uh we got you uh we got you a competing company's latte with i'm guessing just like two percent milk in there props so this is gonna be a wild and crazy ride i'm one latte in because we had a we had a healthy (laughs) pre-pro i think we're ready to healthy is one way to put it yeah feels good i'm feeling good i'm feeling i don't know this one wasn't as exciting as a new beginning for me but there was so i was was i had a blast doing doing a little bit of research for for critters um and i won't 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 jump the gun here with a lot of stuff that we'll discuss but i also think we have to mention typically we watch these movies separately and the day before, yeah. So we watched this yeah. one together a week ago. And we had to refrain from most of our comments about it. And looking over my notes, I look, I'm looking at my notes for the first time since, uh, well, a week ago. And I, I can kind of make some of them out. Some of them, I, I don't know what I was what I was thinking or what, yeah. So we, we'll, we we'll might figure that all notes. out. But yeah, we usually, I usually, I, I like, I think I like doing the night before. I watched A New Beginning the Night Before took my notes, was was all ready to go, had less pre-pro that time. Um, it's kind of hard when the whole, the whole week goes by, but this was, but I, I guess I had all that extra time to do do some some research to go down a lot of tangents that uh, I'll get into later. <laughs> oh, good, because I do zero research. <laughs> you didn't know. Oh. I don't do any, that's your I'll job. I'll inspire you. Well, I see a lot of my research really isn't even about it's it's I I kind of had to dig into some tangents. You do the research, uh, I react to said research. With we one coffee our, in hand. Can we put the water in the other hand? <laughs> uh we have our No, our I strengths. meant like you show up with one Oh that's what I meant. I see. <laughs> Great podcast content. Yeah. But um Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll edit. No, I, so I'm thinking it's a new show. We're still growing. Our legs are kicking. The show's arms are flailing. There's a lot of imagery going on here. The show's not quite ready to be on its stomach for too long. And I don't like, I don't always love it when a show will, will get into belaboring notes or emails or, or corrections from its previous show. But as I edit the first episode, I feel bad that I look. I promised our audience that I would uh, tell this one story, and I didn't end up telling it. Oh God, this is the. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen. Well, I don't know about the audience, but <laughs> right. What's your story, Andy? That's a perfect. Now that'll be a perfect way to. <laughs> To bring it back in from... Thanks for sending me up with a good edit point. To, You're welcome. To insert back in. What's my story, Taryn? We're great at this. Well, no, you... So, as I recall from episode one, I told a hilarious story about a production of The Christmas Carol that I saw a few years ago that you laughed uproariously at. I tend to do that. But I kind of butchered... I, not, I didn't butcher the, the... Well, the punchline. Well, maybe I did. But as I was telling the story, it kind of got tangled in my mind with a related, although different story. I might have said that, so it was definitely a gender-blind 
ish. I don't really know if it was gen- it was wasn't gender blind other than just they they gender swapped Ebenezer Scrooge. So Scrooge was played by an actress. It was still Scrooge though. Like she wasn't playing a female Scrooge. It's just a female. Not 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 super important. And I had described. I think I said like the cast was maybe race blind. It wasn't, but that's because a colleague of ours once was telling me a story about a Christmas, a separate Christmas Carol production that he saw that was race blind, and he was because we were talking about a recent. Um, production of West Side Story that we had all seen that was very race blind and he was really bemoaning it I didn't have a problem with it not to toot my own horn because I'm so awesome but he was he was sort of forcing this this story and his feelings about uh, race blind casting to me and he said he saw this production of A Christmas Carol uh, where the Cratchit family had a bunch of kids of different races and when the first scene started with that, like shows the whole Cratchit family, uh, a kid, and there it was a bit. It was a big field trip showing, like it was probably like a matinee during the week, so a bunch of school kids were there. And he said that in the front row, a boy just exclaimed, "Man, she must have fucked a lot of guys." <laughs> I love our job. <laughs> Maybe a long walk to water for that one, but uh, stuck the landing pretty well. So. So critters. That's the correction. <laughs> well, no, I promised that story. You I'm a t- man of my word. I didn't promise it. I think I said I was I, I I was embarrassed for conflating the two stories in my head, and uh, I think I said oh, I'll tell that one later. And nobody would have ever known. Well, I know. I wanted to tell the story because it's got. A, I, well, I was embellishing a little. I just wanted <laughs> to tell the story again because it's got a funny punchline. It's true. It does one that you actually, the one that you laughed at this time. Yeah. So, folks, the movie is Critters. It is. The jaunt is a genre. Starting out here with our genre jaunt. Not a journey. A jaunt. <laughs> yes. Taryn, what do you got for us? Oh, buddy. Okay. So, I had never seen this movie before. I thought I did. But for a parent, or maybe hmm, 25 years... <laughs> I was under the impression that Critters 3 was the original Critters. And I was, I just learned that, what, like two months ago? Uh, so You started in the middle, like our podcast. I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. No, I'm um, saying you started Critters Oh, I in started the watching, oh, gotcha. I thought I was telling my story in the middle. No, yes. no, no. Unbeknownst to me, I started Critters in the middle. I feel so terrible that you thought that that's what I was doing. Yeah, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> Critters is near and dear to my heart. Critters 3, actually. Uh, but so, since I have never seen Critters 1, 2, or 4, for that ma- matter, didn't know there was a 4, uh, we decided to, to watch the original one. And Critters 3 features Leonardo DiCaprio. His feature film debut, I believe. And my family and I watched it a number of times. Like, when I was starting, when I was probably about five or six. And I distinctly remember Critters 3. There are some scenes that we'll get into on the other podcast um, when we watch it there. But my mother just told me, actually, on the phone, how this all started. Um, So, growing up, apparently, 
We had, we had a very cute phone call <laughs> a half an hour before this started. Yes, I needed to know how the hell we started watching Critters 3 specifically and how it became such a like staple in the Peterson family lore. So tell me my genre jaunt, mommy. Basically, if she knew what a genre jaunt was, that's the question I would have asked. Uh, but so she told me that, this is back in the early 90s, mind you, that... The TV in her bedroom would, it was one of those TVs that like scanned to acquire channels, right? Oh, yeah. And somehow, even though we didn't pay for cable, it would acquire the sci-fi channel. And probably like 94, 95, um, Critters 3 would be one of the movies in rotation on the sci-fi channel. And we would sit... My mom, my brother, and I would sit in my mom's bed and watch Critters 3 and other sci-fi originals, I'm sure. But yeah, it just kind of became a staple in my family's TV and movie watchings. Um, Did which you ever is pick odd up because whatever features we hit a snag? What? We hit a snag. The Oh. The lost mystery or the mystery of whatever i was watching that day on the sci-fi channel (laughs) um but so it's really weird that that movie in particular was something that became so prolific in my family because i'm the only one in my family that enjoys watching horror movies i mean this one is it's more comedy than than horror i would argue but yeah um so that's my genre jaunt critters three until 2021 and now we're finally watching the other ones yeah for me i don't have that much of it well i don't really didn't really have any history with it outside of uh knowing the picture knowing the poster from the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie well that's right because it i would i mean it has a pretty has a nice poster or iconic poster but i saying that though i don't remember i mean maybe it was just because it really wasn't that commonly in circulation but there there is such a indelible handful of vhs covers that i remember from the horror aisle at video stores talk about all the time things like child's play 2 people under the stairs dead alive i think it's called which is like kind of like people under the stairs because it has a skull on it but it has a different title. It's a Peter Jackson movie, so it's I don't think it was made in the USA, and I think it has a different title in Australia. But suffice it to say, I don't really remember the cover of one or two sticking out to me so much. I just really remember the poster for one from when Raphael leaves the movie theater in his trench coat in the Ninja Turtles movie, which got me down a bit of a rabbit hole because at first I thought, that maybe the, the there was a big delay between production and the release of Ninja Turtles because Ninja Turtles was filmed in 89. Critters came out in 86. And not that you can't pull all types of movie magic, but I was I, I was really caught up on the fact that, well, how is he, how, how was Critters, how did, because obviously they can manipulate the theater front, but why would Critters have been playing in 89 unless they were already doing like a three-year retrospective at a New York movie theater? But obviously, it's just because it's a new line. They had the same distributor, and there really aren't a whole lot of... Uh, there weren't a whole lot of new line movies, let alone like popular money-making new line movies by the time they were making Ninja Turtles. I guess it would have been either a Nightmare on Elm Street movie or Critters. 
and I understand why they wouldn't put a, a Freddy poster outside of uh, the movie theater that Raphael was watching, which also got me on this other tangent of how in, in other adaptations of the Ninja Turtles movie, he's not seeing that movie. So in the in the movie version, he sees critters. Okay. In the comic book adaptation, he sees Batman because Batman had just yeah, that makes sense. come out a year before, and it was probably the biggest movie of 1989. Um, and coincidentally, a movie that Critters is very much indebted to, E.T., is the movie mm-hmm. he sees in one of the novelizations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with the paragraph that reads, Raphael made a face as he left the movie theater. He'd seen E.T. He didn't like it at all. Does he also bite the head off of an E.T. doll like a critter does in the movie? <laughs> well, I mean, this, is, this would come up one way or another, but I was waiting for the critter to call him a pussy. <laughs> it just felt to like... To call E.T. a p- Well, because it, kind of, it, it, it felt to me like it was building up to the critter, you know, saying something demeaning to E.T., not okay. just ripping up the E.T. doll. And given... Because this is post-fuck... This is post fuck. Oh, yeah. This is after the scene where the critter (laughs) says fuck. And I thought they got at least two more scenes like that in them, given how perfectly the fuck scene lands. So great. Yeah, it was just that kind of fizzled for me because I thought I was waiting for him to say, I mean, I guess it maybe is out of tone. Something like pussy would be out of tone, with, but I, I just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought the, the critter was going to be a little more aggressive or aggro um, in his treatment of E.T., other than just ripping the stuffing out of him. So that's part one of my genre. Oh, there's a part two. <laughs> no, I, there, there has to be some point where we talk about the fact that the morning we watched this movie together, we were under the impression that Billy Bush was in it. <laughs> oh, yes. That was... It was quite the con on Google's part. Or a lot no. of ways to watch this movie. Not saying it has to be on iTunes. We watched it on iTunes, which alleges that, <laughs> and it was it was a uh, kind of a double bluff. It was a double double bush bluff because so not only if you go to the iTunes version of Critters, which gives you. Uh, I think like three of the cast members on the landing page for the movie. They have little avatars. And for Billy Bush, there's a picture of Billy Bush, that Billy Bush. And I assumed that given the age of, given my approximation of his age, he would be playing the, the, you know, the, the, the son, child the boy, child, the boy yeah. in, in the, yeah, the son in the movie. Which tracks, but... So I wrote half of my notes for this movie (laughs) thinking that (laughs) Billy Bush, young Billy Bush, that Billy Bush is the the actor Scott Grimes playing Brad Brown, the 12, 13, 14-year-old boy. It's not. It's Scott Grimes of later ER. I almost said E.T. Of ER fame. Uh, It turns out the older... The dad. actor, the dad, Billy Bush, also Billy sometimes Bush. credited as Billy Greenbush or Billy Greenbush, is the Billy Bush. But we spent a good <laughs> yeah. twenty minutes of this movie 
trying to figure out is that Billy Bush? I was pretty good. Co- well, I was convinced enough, right? I, I have literal pages of notes with Billy <laughs> Bush were- jokes <laughs> because I thought it was young Billy Bush. All right. So, no hate to Scott Grimes, but like. It- yeah, Sunset Boulevard's a great song. <laughs> Taryn, let's do the time warp. All right, let's let's do that. Friday, April 11th, 1986. The day when Ryan said of his parents said, let's have a son in exactly two years. Another deep cut. <laughs> that maybe three people will understand who <laughs> listen to this. Our headline for today, one that I thought was funny, Taryn doesn't, U.S. for now, advises against Italian wines. And it was, okay, so it was a little funnier to me because... To, to give you a peek behind the curtain, I Google the date plus New York Times front page. There's probably an easier way to do this. It takes me to the New York Times storefront, which sells historic front pages, but it gives you a pretty low-resolution mock-up of the date in question, so I have to squint sometimes and zoom in. And at first, I thought it said U.S. for now advises against Italian wives. Which is also kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't dig too much further into this one. Um, come a long way in the last 35 years. Oh, yeah, 35th anniversary. Oh, of the for, movie. For Critters. I thought you meant of And for the Bash and Italian Wines. wines. <laughs> so I'm afraid to say this next one because I watched a local newscast of it from this day, and they were saying it differently. They're probably right. I always called it Haley's Comet. Is it not Haley's Comet? They were saying Halley's Comet. But they also were on location on a comet cruise with a bunch of local yahoos <laughs> looking to watch the comet. And at one point, one of the guys made a joke about what, or made a joke that seemed to allege that there's some debate whether it's Haley's or Halley's. It obviously looks like Halley's. But when we were growing up, I always knew it by way of hearing other people say it as Haley's Comet. You've never heard it as Halley's Comet. Well, suffice it to say, on April 11th, 1986, that comet um, made its closest approach to Earth in that cycle. Because it? It, it was a Haley's Comet year, and on April 11th in particular, that was the closest it ever came to, to Earth. Do you think Halley's Comet is what houses the space prison? Oh yeah, do you that that I yeah because I was thinking too like what are the odds that it's or maybe they knew that maybe it was all like a cross promotional thing that they knew like look I think that could be the only explanation it's a Halley's for how ridiculous Comet year. But that's also a thing in Star Trek Six, but Star Trek Six was I think four years later. So Star Trek not that I mean did critters really invent asteroid prisons? Um, but yeah, what a kind of a missed opportunity. I wonder if there were like uh, critters, Haley's comets, uh, like T-shirts, or I wouldn't be surprised. BK Kids meal toys. Oh my gosh, I wish there were little like McDonald's toys of critters. Oh, I would have collected all of them. Anyway, happy birthday, Stephanie Pratt. Born on this day, April eleventh, nineteen eighty-six. 
sister of Spencer Pratt, sister-in-law of Heidi Montag. What was the, was she on the show? What was the show they were all on? The Hills. I looked a little bit into it. Right. <laughs> we are of the age where we were supposed to be watching that on TV, but well, I was. I got into what was it? Because The Hills is a spinoff of. Uh, Laguna Beach. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're on the other one. Who knows? It's just well, they're definitely on the hills. I don't because Spencer wasn't on Laguna Beach. I don't think because the other Lauren Conrad was was I Lauren Conrad was definitely on Laguna Beach, and she might be the only through line. Okay. But I think the other is there. Because yeah, wasn't it like the hills? They like grew up slightly and moved and like got jobs in quotation marks. And, like Laguna I never Beach was then. Yeah, I I mean I think right. Younger? That's a safe enough bet. I don't think I, I ever saw a hill. I, I, now hills have eyes. That could go on the list. <laughs> Not the hills or Laguna Beach though. But yeah, happy birthday. I don't, I don't, I guess, happy birthday from the context of this segment. It's not like we're recording this on April 11th. <laughs> <laughs> Billboard Hot 100 number one, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. It's the first time I've heard who that song was by. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know enough about 80s rock. I think I remember chuckling at that because I was probably playing a lot of Super Smash Brothers at the time that I learned that. Or Star Fox, one of the same, since they're both things that feature Falco. Have you heard that song from start to finish? I'm sure. I know it more as the Simpsons parody of Dr. Zayas. Yeah. From the Planet of the Apes musical. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Would it grieve you to learn that The Power of Night... By Johnny Steele was not number one at that. Or number one. I movie. was devastated. All right, box office number one, The Money Pit, which this isn't surprising given it's me, but I had never heard of this. Oh really? Yeah. I apparently it has Tom Hanks. Oh yeah. I know nothing. I get my Shelley Long. I was gonna say. Duval, calculating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not Shelley Duval. Shelley, Shelley, Shelley Long. Yeah, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. I have never seen it from start to finish. This, I think, was played in my art of living class, second semester senior year. Wait, pause. What? <laughs> You know when you're a senior and you don't want anything in your way because it's second semester, or hell, even first semester, and you sign up for Art of Living to kind of- I need to know what this is. It was like a home ec class. We used- oh man, this was- It sounds like a now defunct magazine or something. (laughs) I'm sure it's a defunct class. (laughs) We had a, well, I was going to say it didn't have a textbook, which is to say they sporadically handed out economic textbooks (laughs) because surely people taking something as low 
and frivolous as The Art of Living couldn't be accountable to a full-time textbook. But yeah, I remember the teacher, it was a very small class. Um, it was very it was very casual. We did not have desks. And yeah, I think like maybe twice we copied definitions down out of what at least looked like was doing at least a good impression of an economics textbook. Um, some other highlights. One of the final projects was so this would have been it was two i was i was a the second half of my senior year of high school would have been 2006 so winter spring 2006 and one of the projects was to i guess just progress through a life simulator computer game generally akin to the sims i was hoping it was like a work on trail well it it aesthetically more resembled something like an oregon trail like it looked terrible and and felt clunky for 2006 Hmm. so you can imagine how terrible it was but it was one of those like you had like the equivalent of like infinite lives like there was no way to do anything wrong <laughs> so it's, that i mean i mean the whole class was a sham so why it shouldn't be that amusing <laughs> to say and then we did this one thing that was really ridiculous but yeah that was one highlight i think we made oh yeah we made a game of life of our life or like a board, we we had butcher yeah, paper yeah. and we wrote, we created a, a game board for the game of life, but it was our life. So we had, there were little, um, hope you can see my face. There right were now. like little benchmarks on the game board. And I think like one of my benchmarks was like, I was going to write the great American novel. Of course it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but so one of the, one, one of the biggest shams is that Andy was going to write the great American no. novel? <laughs> was that we watched? We she just the I love the teacher. I also took foods class with her. Um, I took a foods class, but she would show us a bunch of eighties movies oh, that were. She the, does sound like right that up your were alley. theoretically pedagogical. We watched because that's what interest. I had always known of trading places. Um. Trading places. I was, I can never remember. One of them is like an HGTV show. Trading spaces. And one of them, yeah, places. Trading places. The um, John Landis film. Yes. I had always known of it, seeing scenes here and there on Comedy Central, but that was the first time I saw it from start to finish and have been in love with it ever since. I love Trading Places so much. Uh, but yeah, she showed us Trading Places and forgot that there was multiple instances of uh topless female nudity in it and didn't do anything <laughs> about it um what else oh we watched the secret of my success with michael j fox I don't know. which is also fantastic it's like a well right but it i mean it's just in, sort of in line it's like 80s social comedy but also like very pro capitalism and oh, okay. um like pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. And then I I think the third money pit must've been third in line. I think I was just, I was kind of checked out by then or maybe like gone some of the days. Cause I remember seeing part of the money pit in her class. 
Um, but not not all of it. I think I still got an A. I think I still. I aced. would be very surprised if you did not. I think I still A start of living. <laughs> Taryn, that's been time warp. That's that was quite the time warp. Well, we should do it again. Would it grieve you, Taryn, to learn that there are no stats because Critters was not nominated for any Oscars and the Chainsaw Awards didn't exist yet? Devastating. Yeah. Should we cut this thing wide open? Oh, please. (laughs) Waited like a whole week for this. I have so many notes this time. A whole week and two hours of pre-pro. Three, if you consider all the stuff that we just did. Oh, I haven't been recording this whole time. Lies. Here are my notes. We get that beautiful red, sort of staticky New Line Cinema. Oh yeah, we both studio had logo. a very positive reaction. Yeah. To that and the uh, critters logo or the title, whatever words. Because you're more or less really only seeing that before I half-assedly looked up a list. I was trying, I'm sure that it's out there, but like I said, half-assedly. Um, there was a point in my prep where I was maybe looking for a chronological list of new line releases. Didn't really find one, but I think, I mean, for the most part, you're either only going to see that before a Freddy movie um, or the Critters one. So it's in good company, good vibes. I wrote vibe, mood, <laughs> <laughs> kind of sarcastically but not sarcastically i just i don't know i don't always talk like that (laughs) i do it's fine i was thinking if we ever if we ever start making movies taryn we should call our studio um grow films i'll bite why andy because this was produced by show films. <laughs> no. My next note is I love it. Just, that's it? <laughs> but I honest I don't know. I think the warden, which has great oh. design by the way, in general, I was I didn't know what to expect. Wait. For the most part, I would say this: the movie overall exceeded my expectations in terms of just quality. Though I'll get into a lot of head scratchers, but the opening sequence, outside of some of the shots of outer space, yes, and the asteroid looked pretty shoddy, but a lot of the more significant sci-fi stuff, I thought looked pretty impressive for a mid-80s B-movie. Yeah. Uh, Like the Warden's creature design, I thought was great. Um, How they showed the shape-shifting happen in real time with like the skull going through all the layers. Oh, yeah. I thought that that was great. But I think, to get back to I love it, I think maybe, and maybe I'm full of shit, but I think the Warden might have said, I don't care. And I just made his, I wrote down a stupid icona pop. Oh, like, God. Sentence completion thing. I don't know. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, you know, I was, so the, the only context that I had going into this was the third movie, right? 
Um, and I knew that there were like the space bounty hunters in that movie as well, or like from that movie. Um, but I, I don't know, just the the whole background of how the the critters or crites came to to be on Earth. I I loved it because it was so ridiculous uh, and just bizarre. Um, but I also got a lot of like, and you're the pro with this, but I got a lot of like Star Wars ripoff vibes. Because there's some hologram. There's like the action. some hologramming, <laughs> the the bounty hunters. Yeah. The the warden was like tiny job of the hut. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like he was like but a funny. smushed Bib Fortuna. Oh. He kind of had some Bib Fortuna look to him. But again, he looked he looked good. Like he looked like he didn't look like a knockoff Star Wars character. Like he looked yeah, like whoever, he could be in a Star Wars. Whoever he like, like he could the be in a Star Wars was did a great job. Um So yeah, kind of that whole beginning part was not what I was expecting even though I knew that they were aliens and what have you. I still would have liked to know how exactly they escaped. Well, <laughs> like so yeah. Being what they are. That was very interesting to me from the outset because it seems immediately it felt like they were building to revealing that all along the the prisoners are just these little fur balls. Yes. Which is a pretty classic, in my opinion, enjoyable piece of writing to make it sound like the, and it kind of it kind of feels like something they would do in the uh, Star Trek the original series. Like tribbles. This sort of yeah. But that like, oh my god, there's the, like these blood there's kinda like the rabbit too in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um But nobody was seeing critters not knowing who the critters are. Yeah. So that's spoiled from the get-go. So it was kind of jarring to see the movie itself make these choices that seem to be heading in this direction of, we're going to get you to think that the the Krites are these bloodthirsty, you know, worst thing you could ever imagine. Uh, aliens, anti-climax, they're just little furballs, which is respectable, but kind of an impossible feat to pull given the marketing of the film. So that just felt kind of off to me in like a check that never cashed that. And I mean, ultimately there, I think I, I don't think they really reveal it in that way anyways, but that just felt just kind of off well, to I did. me that they were said that yeah, anyways. I mean, I made a note that you, we don't even see a critter until like 30 minutes into the movie. I think 30, yeah, it was 30. Cause I checked or you, I mean, you might've prompted me to check. Yes, I did. <laughs> Oh no, 20 minutes in, I lied. 20 minutes in, we finally see a critter. And it was very, it was just like the tumbleweed going across the <laughs> the dirt road situation. And then, is that when the, um, well, after the space prison, is that when the um, title credits start rolling? With yeah. The names? Okay. Yeah, because I have no special appearance by Corey Feldman. 
devastating. Or <laughs> Billy Bush. Yeah, or, or, or that Billy Bush. But we do have <laughs> Billy Zane, which was probably the His most shocking, shocking part for me. I mean, I really only know and remember Billy Zane from Titanic. Are you still insane for Zane? No. That's kind of like the thing on your hat. Can't even deal with you. Terrence wearing a hat that says "Cowboy Butts Drive Me Nuts." But yeah, we get that title card. I hadn't seen that title card before. We both were sort of like, "Oh shit, nice looking title card." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should use it more. It was. I mean, it Critters was very, just needs more confidence. It was very like stereotypically 1980s for sure. Um, and like all the the great parts of 1980s fonts. Oh, Fonz. I thought you said Swans. Those two, I suppose. Who are the 80s Swans? You got... (laughs) What? (laughs) I did a double take when the composer was a Newman, and I jokingly, hilarious, made note of the, oh, what, is this a third Newman brother? And it more or less is. is. I think he's the cousin or nephew of Randy Newman. He's still in the greater Newman family, but the score was so non-existent. I was going to say, I didn't take any notes about music or... So it was, yeah, it's just weird to think that this was both a Newman composer and a score that was just so tepid and low energy and non-existent, which... I mean, to kind of summarize this movie in some yeah. ways, kind of low energy, barely there. Um, that was weird. We meet the parents. Yeah, so we move from this very dark, you know, space setting to this idyllic countryside, very bright and sunny. Birds are singing, and there's... the. There was some more, like, upbeat music there, I guess. Um, Birds were singing Rock Me Amadeus. Because why not? It was either that or Johnny Steele. (laughs) Um, Did you catch what they were singing, though? No. (laughs) What? I'm just fucking with (laughs) you. I'm like, they weren't singing anything. (laughs) That I missed something. I kind of really liked their kitchen. (laughs) I did make a note of that. Yeah, it was, you know, for a quote-unquote B-movie, just the quality, or really care. It looked like they, the, the the kitchen in particular, the kitchen in the house looked like there was a lot of care and thought put into the look of it. Yeah. Which, again, not something that I was necessarily expecting, um, building off of my feelings of, of the first scene. In space. <laughs> the kitchen had a Chemex. Ooh. For uh, for dad, for the actual Billy Bush to drink his coffee out of, out of a mason jar. I thought I was the only one, although I drink cold brew out of a mason jar. He was drinking you hot Chemex s- coffee. You had to steal the aesthetic from out somewhere. Of, yeah, out of, uh, or out of his mason jar. Pretty cool. So you felt a connection. This whole time I've been chasing Mason. 
You've been chasing Billy Bush instead of Billy Green Bush. <laughs> I thought this would go somewhere. I wrote down, we're changing, on to the next scene here. I So M, Emmett Walsh. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I wrote down best memories, thinking I would ask you, probably kind of jokingly, what your best M, Emmett Walsh memories are. <laughs> So I suppose what? I should follow through. What are your best M. Emmett Walsh memories? What? I don't know. I mean, he's in like This Blade movie. Runner. That's all yeah. I got. But kind of in line with the movie planting a lot of things that don't pay off, the choice of M. Emmett Walsh to me felt pretty deliberate. And there's really no impact whatsoever of his of his character there's just so many things that felt like i mean it felt so this was so stephen herrick the director stephen herrick this was his first he he had been an editor and this was his first um movie as a director so maybe that explains enough of it but i was hope so he's the director there's three two or three writers um, it was written in 82, or like finished in 82. That's why the E.T. vibes to me, I think, are probably so prevalent. Because a lot of, myself included, I think most people, when they think of Critters, they think of it in the context of it um, kind of building off of the hype of Gremlins two years previously. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very... Not similar, but... It's, you know, got the creepy little ghouls. Creepy critters. <laughs> creepy critters. I know, I was trying not to say critter or gremlin. <laughs> but it, ha- having obviously watched it now, it felt kind of similar. To, or it, it felt, if anything, it felt more like it was ripping off E.T. in certain senses, mostly aesthetically or atmospherically in some points. Um, then Gremlins, which makes more sense knowing that it was, you know, it was written before Gremlins, or at least before Gremlins came out, and it was written yeah. on the heels, presumably, of E.T., but it kind of simmered for a while, and there were multiple writers. One of the writers is the actor who plays Charlie. Oh, fun fact. So it kind of had... And I think maybe Herrick was one of the writers... Calculating... Vamp, Taryn, vamp like there's no tomorrow. Describe your hat to people. No. Okay, so Herrick, yeah, so Herrick, <laughs> so there's, there's, there's three three writers. So there's the original writer, Dominic Muir. And then I think the director, Stephen Herrick, must have had a pass at it after Muir wrote the original draft. And then I think its final iteration had a little bit of the three of them involved. The third being the actor um, who plays Charlie. But I was, to say all this is to say I was waiting to click on one of these names to find that they were not American. Why? Which sounds weird, but just I waiting for some really big tell other than he was, Herrick was a first time director to just explain just some of the, for lack of a better word, awkwardness of certain things or just familiarity with um, 
kind of meta some of the meta elements of movie making or of like movies at the time so they cast d wallace as the mom the Mm -hmm. mom from et in a movie that's very much like et and her character doesn't really do anything like meta textually yeah you're going depth yeah you're thinking oh okay it's i i I know what i'm gonna get here it's the mom from et um and I guess she like does she maybe like blows away a critter with a shotgun at one mm-hmm. point, but other than that, and I guess it kind of speaks to a lot of the characters. Um, just with M. Emmett Walsh, it's like oh, okay, it's M. Emmett Walsh. I'm in good hands. <laughs> He's the sheriff. He's gonna have some type of you know impact towards the end, but no, not really. And just I think there's some more things along the way that I'll touch on there. Just like there's just. I have a laundry list of things that seem to be planted that just never develop it go anything. anywhere. Yeah. And maybe it's just you know, first time director. The script was four years old. It went through a couple different hands. It's what, like 90 minutes? Not even? 85. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Sure, two great minds. That should over be here. season. How many seasons of serial are there? I don't know. Well, season three or four should be figuring out why Critters is so awkward at times. We'll write a dissertation. It's okay. Shit, my notes got screwed up. Vamp, Taryn. Vamp, like there's no tomorrow. Where'd you get that hat? <laughs> this hat doesn't exist, <laughs> sir. Uh. My my next note is pretty important, so I don't want to waste it on vamping. Oh, also Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips shows up. Yeah, which who does I was. He play? So he's uh, Jeff. <laughs> no, he's the he's the deputy, or he's a police oh, he's officer. The, okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, I was excited. Didn't know. Oh yeah, he's the Star Trek guy, right? Didn't yeah. Didn't know Neelix would be showing up in my Critters movie. I was pleased. And then he's pretty quickly dispatched. But then I get happy again because he gets shapeshifted. For a little bit. And then bit. he's dispatched. He's like zombie shapeshifted, though. Yeah. That was very odd. Odd. It's your big moment, Taryn. My big moment? Well, you said you were like cooking up something good. Oh, no. Wanna... So so then we get this, this scene with all of the... With the um, the two bounty hunters like learning about American culture. <laughs> so they're very quickly or watching a very fast paced compilation of clips of earth, I guess. So not just American culture, but, and so the, using that video that one of the intentions was to choose something to shape shift into. And we get the first instance of the power of the night music video. John Bon Jovi Steele. John Bon Jovi Steele, yes. I must, I, yeah, I must have had it two a week ago. I wrote really cool skull effect. Too bad it's for Johnny Steele. <laughs> I was in high school last week. <laughs> and why are there two screens? Yeah, I don't. Like, we were don't they playing two different. Or they, it was like no, they weren't. Oh, it was playing it the same yeah. thing. Oh, I thought it was two different videos. I wasn't paying close. I have attention. two computers right now. I guess we do have two coffees. 
but we're yes. also using two we computers, two, computers. two microphones. Because there are two of us. <laughs> no, but I mean at the like, because we don't. I so we weren't watching. You this don't on two watch TV screens, with yeah. two TVs playing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was weird. Yeah, it was. It was bizarre. It also, speaking of more pop culture references, it now that I'm thinking about it, kind of reminds me of um, the aliens from The Simpsons. Kodos and Kang. Them. Yep. Because don't they... I, d- I feel like there's a, an episode or something where they're... Maybe it's more than one episode where they have screens that they see what's happening on Earth on. I don't know. You know who has screens? Today's teenagers. Do you think they're based on today's teenagers? <laughs> I wrote down Elvin and the Chipmunks narrator. Was it just because the the sort of history of the world that they're watching is narrated or it must be because I wrote down something about a narrator and it must just be at, you know, 2x speed or something like that. But it has the chipmunk voice. So, I mean, 2x speed generally makes that happen. You don't think it was one of the chipmunks narrating it? I don't. Uh, I found out recently that apparently in Chipwrecked, yes. one of the Alvin and the Chipmunk, one of the contemporary Alvin and the Chipmunk sequels, uh, Simon gets bonked on the head or something, making him take on the the persona Simone, which is like a debonair French version of himself. Kind of like Stefan or Kel. One more reason not to watch <laughs> Chipwrecked. <laughs> Look, it's the best thing I ever chainsaw. It's next in your notes, Andy. Uh, well, I think so. I didn't have my trademark dash to denote a new scene, mm. but my next note is: What are the origins of my other car? Is a blank? Because Billy Zane rolls up. On the uh-huh. farm, because previously, again, that's another thing, and it kind of speaks to the non, the 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 unAmericanness of it. Which oh, I, yeah. just, I wish I had better ways to say this, but previous to this scene, uh, Brad, not young Billy Bush, Scott Grimes, they're talking over breakfast, and he he's ta- so April, they're he's kind of they're anticipating or preparing for her boyfriend to come and he says something like oh the dork from new york which i guess is accurate because ultimately he is a dork but if you're thinking of it's a small town in kansas and she has a friend also like why new like (laughs) is kansas in log island like he's from new york that just was kind of odd didn't really make much sense not that he can't be driving from new york but but how would she have interacted with him i I guess it's just it's just like a a visual shorthand for like you know we know what new york is and what it connotes but you expect like a brash aggressive you know devil make kind of a a simone to april simon (laughs) i mean he does show up with a car with a license plate that says too great with the number two 
GR8. And the, but yeah, and then the temp, like the plate, like the frame, the frame says, I don't care what your other car is. Yes. Which is hilarious because <laughs> those bumper stickers from the 80s are pretty nauseating. But I went on a whole thing of, not that, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? I think I sort of got a little too gassed up for that one. But I looked into my other car is a blank culture. We do quality research over here. I, uh... By we, I mean Andy. I don't do any research. I found some funny ones. I mean, it's, again, it's pretty self-explanatory. They originated in the 80s. Who knew? To imply that don't judge me by this car because my other car is better. But some, so, but some ones that I've... So my other car is an honor student. It's sort of a anti my other car bumper sticker one my other car is also shitbox <laughs> and i thought i wonder if it's the shitbox that demon's in in part five. Oh no my what other car mean? is a student loan that's topical <laughs> uh my other car is a pension novel i don't get that which I has mean, some apparently has some like deep internet origin uh, nerds. um Oh, this this is maybe the best one. Um, oh wait, no, I got two more. The second one is the best one. Okay, okay. Um, oh, this one I kind of like. My other car, or it didn't, it didn't, it it wasn't a, it doesn't have the sentence stem. It's I don't have another car. Honestly, I kind of wish I didn't even have this one. Um, and then this is the this one takes a cake. Um, my other car is another car that has a sticker that says my other car is this car. (laughs) Quite a lengthy one. Um, so speaking of Billy Zane in his car, I don't even remember his character's name, um, because he will only be Billy Zane in my heart. Um, oh, it's Steve. That's what it is. Uh, so he rolls up in his like Trans Am or whatever car from the eighties and he comes out and he has a single earring (laughs) and like. A mullet in a ponytail. And I loved it. <laughs> like, this is pinnacle mid-80s, and I'm here for it. Are you here for Chocolate Bar Charlie? R.I.P. Wait, what? Oh, I thought it was a callback to the other episode. Well, yeah, but what's dead? Charlie! <laughs> oh, I guess Charlie's not dead. The chocolate bar kid and yeah, but Charlie's the drunk. Oh, my bad. In but yeah, it's sort of. I guess you can't be wrong, right? Since it's both a mashup of of Charlie and the kid with chocolate bars from last episode. (laughs) No, and there's really no scene remotely close to the energy of that, in my opinion. But we. Oh no. The scene, we're getting close to the scene, and we're at the scene where Brad is sort of aiming his slingshot, but then Charlie gets it or something. They're trying to knock, like, Coke cans off of a fence on the farm. Yeah, they're just doing farm kid activities when you're bored. Neither of us are from, (laughs) we weren't farm kids, so I'm generalizing here. Oh, you were speaking with some authority there, calling them farm kid activities. I I did spend time on a farm (laughs) this weekend, so. Did you do farm kid activities? (laughs) No. 
Well, no. Did you hit anyone's sister in the butt with a slingshot? <laughs> no. Can we talk about how also his bedroom door had a sign that just said, <laughs> beware of kid? <laughs> I'd written down, beware of the bushy. <laughs> Still thinking it was... Did you take note of when you realized it wasn't Billy Bush? Uh, I don't think <laughs> so. I just wanted to know what the pivotal moment was that changed your mind. Well, I think I just go- I, I Googled the dad or something like that. Or I, I, just, I think I just Googled the name yeah. and found out halfway through that it was the dad. But yeah, so it's not. I mean, it doesn't have nearly... Um, the slingshot scene doesn't have nearly the an equivalent energy of my my dear dear chocolate bar scene, but in the sense that it's just so cheesy, so telegraphed. You think when the you know, you have the two uh, you have the two girls doing laundry at the at the sanitarium, and it's like okay, yeah. of course he's gonna get chocolate stains all over them you you get the thing with the slingshot like okay of course he's gonna hit the sister in the butt right and she's gonna freak out (laughs) so i appreciated that um this was the moment when i think power of the night came back on in the background oh because because yeah my next two notes for this scene are uh second instance (laughs) i wrote down again still thought it was that billy bush so i wrote down <laughs> no hug or supper for the bushy <laughs> and then i wrote down banging johnny steel <laughs> but that's another thing too in terms of things that don't pay off is i thought that was maybe brilliance and overstatement yeah. but i thought it was clever the whole johnny steel conceit mm. And was intrigued as to how that was going to play out. And it's basically just one time Brad's like, oh, hey, you're Johnny Steele. Right. Like nobody else knew (laughs) who this man was. Or cared enough to like make any deal about it. It It's very strange. There was, it, it comes up a third time later on in the movie and I... Not too far along either, but I took a note that's, or I made a note that says, take a shot every time <laughs> Power of the Night by Johnny Steele, please. So I'm not making this up. My next thing, or the next thing that I wrote down, so he, so Brad is in, uh, his bed, look, he's sent to his room. Wait, hold on. I have one thing before that, because this is after they're eating dinner, right? Yeah, because like he's, he's 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 in his room and yeah, well, and then there's like a a short see, like a short shot of them eating dinner because I remember um, the dad is eating corn on the cob and he's they're using the little corn on the cob. Oh, like the corn chips. Yeah, <laughs> and I just I was like so excited to see those because I oh, yeah. gained so much joy as a kid <laughs> using those. Like now as an adult, I do not want to eat corn on the cob in that manner, but I just remember... I haven't had some corn on the cob in a while. It's been a few summers. I just... It just made me happy to see those little... I don't even know what they're called, the little corn on the cob pokey things, because they were also in the shape of corn. (laughs) So, made me very happy. That was one of those things where I had so much, like, family 
nationalism, I don't know what to call it, family pride, where you would go, you would be at a friend's house or somewhere else. I Did guess a friend's house. you bring your own? No, yeah, right. Like in like a little like a little case, like porcelain case. It's like the Schmidt family crest. Yeah. <laughs> but no, to 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 learn that not everyone had those, just like really put me off. Because yeah, there's nothing better than the tactility oh, you're so and like kitschiness of that. And other families like expect you to use your bare hands. Or just have generic non-corn-shaped corn holders? Ridiculous. People didn't... They didn't live unless they had corn-shaped corn holders. Okay, you I can don't continue think, on with the kid in the bedroom now. And I think we have some now. Like I was saying, um, we don't... Uh, or I haven't had corn on the cob in a while. Me either. But I think we've got something in our in our kitchen used for that. Anyways. <laughs> One of these days, a kid will come here and think, "Fuck this place! They don't have the little. They don't, they, this place heathens. disgusts me." <laughs> Just heathens. Okay, kid in the bedroom. Well, I literally wrote down, "When are they going to get to the fireworks factory?" <laughs> I know because. <laughs> I think it was minute thirty-five, approximately, where just nothing was really happening. And ironically, I mean, this isn't ironic, but uh, Scott Grimes then pulls out like a firework. <laughs> just so cr- crazy coincidence. I felt very solipsistic at that point. Um, I mean, I did make a note too of like, how does this kid have so many fireworks? Were you a fireworks kid? Not no, because growing up in Minnesota, it was like you could only get them at you know Fourth of July time, and we have so many rules and regulations against fireworks in this state that you would have to like drive to Wisconsin to get anything fun, and like we would we would watch fireworks, but the extent of our usage of fireworks was like sparklers and those. Oh shit! I did really like those. Um, oh, the poppers. Yeah, the, the yeah. ones that you threw on the ground. Those yeah. were fun. Oh yeah, those were perfectly my speed. <laughs> Anything else, I was just petrified by. But yeah, oh, I feel. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. There's just you know two types of kids. Ones like me who just want. Are they called? They're called poppers, right? I mean, either way, we know what we're talking. Did they have about. like a black cat on them? Well, black cat was like. Or is that something else? That was like the real deal stuff. Oh, maybe not. Like I feel like in the local mythos of fireworks coveting, when I was a kid, there were like every once in a while the kids who were really into it were like, Oh, like so and so's got a black cat and they're gonna They're lighting it tonight at the sleepover. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm just Because they came in You know, they came in like a box the shape of a box of animal crackers. Yeah. Well, okay. So, are you thinking of the the little the little white ones that look like little sperm? Yes, I was gonna. Say, I was gonna. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say exactly that, but was kind of still calculating whether or not I wanted to. <laughs> I went there. It's fine. Um, because oh, because there were also like those party poppers that you would that you would pull. Um, they were in like a little plastic container and you would pop it on. And those were lame, but, um, Oh my God. Yeah. 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 
Whoa. <laughs> Flashbacks. Oh my God. This is like, Taryn, this is better than a corn holder. <laughs> a corn shaped corn holder. It has nothing to do with the these movie. poppers. I, you didn't like these poppers? They're, they're like champagne like bottle shaped? I mean, no, well, they're fine, but oh the, the ones that you God. threw on the ground, those ones were more fun. Jalapeno poppers, what? Sorry, I'm looking at images of fireworks, and there's one called a jalapeno popper. All right, we're off, tra- off, off track here. Um, but yeah, this kid has <laughs> so many. <laughs> Massive Sid from Toy Story fireworks. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, it's You have Sid, who is like the anti-hero, and then... You're going to say the Antichrist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Antichrist. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, Scott Grimes, Brad, who, like, you know, inevitably helps save the day. But um, it's just like, who? Because he, like, builds them. And it's like, where is this kid getting all of this material? <laughs> he's building his own fireworks. There's There's moments where he's like, Putting them together. I don't know the terminology. For the for listener, Taryn is miming <laughs> how you make your own fireworks. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, it involves a lot of turning. I don't know. The hand motions do go with your hat, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also noticed in his bedroom <laughs> that he had um, a, a poster of the police. Um. He's got a poster of Ethan Phillips up in his room. I didn't see it, no. Well, he's one of the police officers. Right, I know. Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> I can't um, get over these party pop. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to drive to drive to Wisconsin and get some. Um, But I d- it's just like, I don't know, the, the positioning of it, like literally above his bed and Sting is there watching him. Like that one song. Oh. Every breath you take. <laughs> Is that what that song's about? Yeah, he's basically stalking a woman. Oh, no, I mean, like, it's about him watching someone make fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like a 12-year-old boy. Did you write a BuzzFeed article about <laughs> the anti-feminism of the police song? Uh, no. <laughs> I think this is my last. I think we come to my last. I still think it's <laughs> Billy Bush note. Because <laughs> I wrote down. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. And then because dad brings him dinner, which just, I get, oh, I just makes my skin crawl. The idea of eating a meal like that in bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because you're not, I mean, you need a hard surface for that plate. It's going to get all messy. (laughs) The food's going to get everywhere. Like, how is, like, what what is he, like, what is he supposed to do with it, Dad? (laughs) Um, And then he sneaks out. So I wrote 1986 has two scenes of Billy's on roofs (laughs) because of Rob Lowe and Zane Elmo's fire. But it actually doesn't because... It's got a Scott on the roof. It's got a Rob on the roof. It's got a Billy and a Brad on the roof, but not two Billies. 
I didn't laugh at that one. Well, have you seen Animals Fire? No. There you go. I'll amend it at the start of our next episode. <laughs> I'll amend it. <laughs> um, do you have any any other notes about like the whole tree climbing escape situation? Not my yeah no. Because then it moves so. to your your favorite Star Trek characters. Well, I got a few things. So I I don't know why because I because yeah because he's on the roof he gets in the tree, then he's apprehended by his dad, and the actual Billy Bush says something like, "That's exactly what someone who has climbed a tree before would say." <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have any notes. <laughs> I made a note of because I couldn't. I guess I could put my finger on it, but really, um, I get such a a nostalgia for and a feeling of the. I think it's the middle segment of the Twilight. Have you ever seen the Twilight Zone movie? No, I don't think so. So I think it's just it's it's a uh, it's episodic or it's uh, vignettes. It's not a single uh, story, and they're just adaptations of certain episodes. I think it's four of them, but one of the the second or third one in the movie is the I forget what the original episode's name is, but it's the one where the boy can like basically control everything and he can read your mind. Okay. And if you are like thinking bad thoughts about him, he'll like turn you into I guess famously in the episode it's a Jack in the Box and there's another there's one of the Simpsons speaking of Kodos and Kang, one of the Simpsons. Um, Halloween episodes is a parody of. I just got really sad because I've got my two lattes next to me, and I lifted up what I thought was my active latte, and it's empty. And I thought, well, surely I have some latte left. I picked up the wrong one, and then I picked up the other one, and it's also <laughs> empty, and I'm out of latte. <laughs> womp, womp. But anyways, when they're in the kitchen and when they're in the greater house, it looks it's sort of it's lit and produced similar to. That uh, that segment of the Twilight Zone movie, which feels kind of good, but that one actually kind of always like, I don't know. We should rewatch that at some point. But there's a weird sure. f- atmosphere to that movie at times. It's kind of very anti-Twilight Zone because original Twilight Zone is one of the most comforting things you can put on a television, in my opinion. But the movie. Just kind of like unsettling in an ineffable kind of way. I don't. It's. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Remember how I said take a shot every time Johnny Steele plays. Yeah. I think now you could take a shot every time Andy goes on another movie tangent. Okay. I th- I was worried <laughs> too. This was like the time I picked up my lattes. That too. Well, I just I keep describing everything as like a vibe or energy, and no, I don't I do that too. That, but the second time we've both mentioned this anywho pinbusters what pinbusters we see the pinbuster shirt for the first time <gasps> oh. dad has a big bowling like, a pin bowling buster. match bowling game game i would assume <laughs> bowling green massacre <laughs> we know sports no love for my bowling green massacre joke. nope nope <laughs> Uh, bo- yeah, no, dad's got a bowling thing <laughs> right? and he's wearing a pinbuster shirt. Not only is it awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We can agree but on that. I would have, I, I could have lived the rest of my life never remembering this. 
there were when I was a kid a series of I don't know if there was ever in my orbit more than one or two but someone was producing Muskego Bowling Club t-shirts they weren't Charlie Sheen esque <laughs> bowling shirts like the one that Billy Greenbush is wearing in the movie they were kind of like crude minimalist uh you know mass produced t-shirts yeah and one of them was I meant to contact my dad before look we have a rule with this show we always call our parents <laughs> right people say if you'd ever hear from us again we're about to record a podcast but I bet I bet to check in with my dad before this. Say, hey, because I know there were there were these series of Muskego like bowling club association team T shirts, and one of them was pin the Pinbusters. But I don't think they used the Ghostbusters logo. I think it was just a name. Was there probably. there was nothing on the T shirt that was aping the look of anything related to Ghostbusters. I think mm. if anything, it was just like. Uh, representation of someone hitting a strike um hitting a strike hitting yeah we we know sports here <laughs> but i would have yeah i would have those i have i kind of similar to the corn holders to ever see because that's like one of the things i kind of appreciate that that's something that i don't think the internet could ever reproduce for me you know, I can Google the corn holders, but there's like no record anywhere um, of a Muskego Pinbuster shirt. So take that, Internet. Maybe your dad has one. I was, I, well, like, I'll talk to him <laughs> if we make it out of this podcast alive, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> I have been here for <laughs> three hours now. Three hours, 15. Um,. So, I don't know if this is before or after the dinner, but we we finally see a critter 20 minutes in. We talked about that earlier. Oh! Um, This may or may not be my scariest moment. But the mom oh. at the garbage disposal. Okay, okay. I'm, Holy shit. That's what that, because I, because my next two things, so Ethan, you mentioned this before, so Ethan Phillips dies. Yes. Because I so quickly go from, oh, cool, Ethan Phillips. Oh, okay, no, he's dead. <laughs> and then I wrote hands in GD, exclamation point. And yeah. I was going to ask you, what the hell did <laughs> I mean GD. here? What is hands in GD? But no, it's hands in garbage disposal. Yes. Which is a Daily anxiety for me. I... I... Oh, God. I was happy to find out that the condo I bought did not have a garbage disposal because that is so (laughs) horrific. Because there's... There's probably because of, like, 90s horror movies. um, Like, hands in garbage disposals, hands in blenders. Who? No. Thank you. But had D. Wallace never used a garbage disposal before? I was kind of shocked they had one on the farm, to be honest. <laughs> I flew out of my chair, and you were still wearing the hat, and I remember it flying <laughs> off I of your head. It across the room. <laughs> then we get our first critter cam. Oh. 
Oh, man. Okay, that is one of my gripes with this movie is that there weren't more critter cam scenes because that is hilarious to me. Um, mostly because of the, the the music that they use and the, the critter sounds. I love the critter sounds. I'm trying to... So what are the critter sounds? I mean, it's like their language and also okay. just like the... I like creeping critter noises. <laughs> okay, I think I figured it out. So I wrote I wrote down old use of MS Word vibes. And I think it's because I wrote down <laughs> I wrote first critter cam trademark. <laughs> like I ironically trademarked critter cam. Yes. And did you have a period in computer class where you discovered how that you could reproduce trademark and copyright and oh. you started ironic to to varying degrees of irony trademarking and copywriting things i don't think i took it to the extent of ironically trademarking and copywriting things but i do remember learning how to do that i couldn't tell you how to do it now but um i could see you just doing that with everything. It was very liberating. I'm sure it was. <laughs> That's it. Um, we had an even closer look at Pinbusters. Oh, yeah. So this is like when the uh, the critters are making their presence known, more or less. And uh, Billy Zane and April have escaped to the barn, right? And all of this stuff is happening at the the home but nobody seems to give two shits about april and billy zane like being god knows where um brad knows where brad didn't know where um once she starts screaming but uh yeah that was one of my notes i'm like why why doesn't anybody care about the daughter and steve um, I think this is also the point where we see, like, a critter's face for the first time, maybe? First time ever I saw a critter's face. Because it jumps out of a, like, a shelf and gnaws on the dad's arm or shoulder. Okay, yeah, because, again, very E.T. The critter's blending yeah. in with the toys on the shelf. Yeah. A la that pussy E.T. <laughs> <laughs> if only E.T. had rows and rows of sharp shit teeth <sighs> there are multiple I, I, I covered at least one of them already but there are multiple things where I would write something down and the premise of why I was writing it was thwarted before I could finish it so I was writing down oh I, I think it's clever that the other bounty hunter uh, has like an identity crisis or is fickle and like doesn't can't decide on who to change into. And as I'm writing that down, I'm like, okay, he's just zombie Ethan Phillips now. I was going to say, you're thinking too deep about this movie. <laughs> well, I, right, right, giving it too much credit, but that's a nice text, uh, text, textural? It adds texture. <laughs> the lattes are kicking in, Taryn. <laughs> audience is warned <laughs> we'll just just keep in mind that andy and i have both had the same amount of coffee today 
one of us is vibing much more. Than <laughs> the other. I was I was about a quarter in before I think we were still in pre pro. I was scream singing power of the night upstairs <laughs> in the bathroom. Oh, I couldn't hear it. Oh, I'm sad. Speaking of which, I might finish the song during my bathroom break right now. A good time to pee break. Pee break of the night. (laughs) Power of the night. We are back. Where are you giggling at? You... Like finding your space. He's got to adjust himself. <laughs> I um, got this massive, kind of unwieldy uh, seat cover. Not not seat cover. Cushion. Cushion, which is like, I'm not trying to be clever. The four truckers version. <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time. Could have gotten a smaller one, and it just doesn't fit on this. Industrial dining room chair. I'll be all right. I much prefer the lumbar pillow. This thing's good. This other, this seat cushion, though, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of a heavy mess. So we were talking about the dad going into the basement. Basement, I guess. It was, yeah, basement. It was just like, I, like outdoor. It's sort of the storm cellar. Is yeah, that yeah, the yeah. word? I guess. Like the Vamp, door, Taryn, I'm on it. Vamp. The doors that are like My are name horizontal is to the floor. To, and the, uh, to the floor. Wow. Horizontal with the ground almost. And oh, the people that called me did leave a message. Um, you should play it live on the podcast. <laughs> it's probably about like student loans or car insurance. One of my that, cars is a student loan. Because I, I don't drive, so they obviously don't know who they're calling. Um, but, yeah, I never know if that's like, those doors must have a specific name. But, anywho, dad went into the basement through the outdoor door. Uh, and Critter attacks him in the shoulder. He also gets porcupined by the Critter. Mm-hmm. Um so, and then he, like, somehow gets rid of the, the critter and, like, oh, was it is it Brad that saves him? I don't know. The, he gets, like, pulled up from the stairs by I Brad. I think it's because D. Wallace is really hesitant about letting Brad go down there. Yeah. That's all I remember. Um, but then he eventually does. Yeah, he eventually does. He just, like, breaks free. Um, and then we, I think we transition back to the police station. Because my favorite character is there, Sally, the 911 operator or something. Okay. Just like the secretary lady at the police yeah, station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who um, has to thwart advances from Star Trek guy. Fake Ethan Phillips. Or she had been in real Ethan Phillips. Yeah, But then yeah. he dies. And then it... Because is this where he... there? It's like the escalation of getting the... Radio to stop radioing? Maybe. And they pulled the stuff out of the car. The, the note that I put down. Is Sally, my, hot. 
that's like one no 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 one of my favorite parts is where she <laughs> she gives an excuse to not go out with him because oh, yeah, she yeah. has to wash her hair yeah. <laughs> that's like my favorite thing very marcia brady i love it um but yeah the cops do like just rip out the the radio at one point You then pooped your pants. <laughs> what? Well, the we're to the point where Billy Zane dies. Oh yeah, he had murked pretty ruthlessly comparatively. That's a decent other. jump scare. Yeah, I it went over my head because I was. Were you googling? No, I was very. I was. I was distracted by the cassettes. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he r- turns to the side or rolls over, and it cuts to a shot of his arm attempting to manipulate the cassette player. And there's two or three cassettes in a pile, and they're blank cassettes with whatever written on the spines, and one of them <laughs> says the Herrick Chainsaw Massacre. Which is just the dorkiest Easter egg I've ever seen because obviously it's a reference to both Stephen Herrick, the director, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not a movie reference, or not a music reference, but a movie reference. And it doesn't make any, I mean, not that it has to make the most profound sense ever, but I could just imagine him going to the prop master. Being like, hey, we all agreed that uh, one of the cassettes will say Herrick Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so I was... Distracted by that. Yeah, I was not... Uh, did not fall victim to to the jump scare. Well, but you he, did. You like... Yeah, that was one of the few times that I jumped. Um, <laughs> but he, he gets two fingers eaten or bitten off. And then he, you know, like rolls over in pain and a critter just jumps right at his stomach and April is obviously freaking out. Um, this is the one that Brad kills with a f- firework, right? Oh, yeah. That was a pretty epic, like, death of a death of a monster. Because, yeah, the, he, like, throws a firework in there. Um, as April is escaping and the critter eats it and like it doesn't explode really it just kind of yeah it does it doesn't explode humongously it more just like explodes within the critter and the critter just topples over so it was kind of anticlimactic yeah I was I was pretty let down by it I was expecting eventually especially considering how we eventually see some critters killed I was expecting and hoping for it to explode, to be honest. Yeah. And I thought, uh, yeah, it was kind of a dud. I mean, like, considering mm-hmm. how, like, ruthlessly Billy Zane got, gets murdered and then the critter just eats the firework and collapses, there was, yeah, it was pretty. Oh, and then we move into the, the night church scene. Which, I wrote down working on my night church. Which made zero sense to me (laughs) it was so bizarre because like we it shifts to 
like a preacher preaching and then the cop car with the two bounty hunters blows into the joint <laughs> and um and then like, i don't even i can't even tell you what the the purpose of that was other than for the for the zombie bounty hunter to shapeshift into the preacher Right, because then we yeah we we'll get the, the sense critters, then we get the sense then that he's not gonna be zombie Ethan Phillips <laughs> right. the whole time. But yeah, there's no. So I thought like a lot of times things are planted in the movie as we've discussed that that will go somewhere, right? But it really doesn't. I did respect the fact and appreciate the fact that they were continuing the the driving the cop car backwards gag, which I guess they do give <laughs> yeah. up eventually, but. Um, I thought, oh, that's nice. It's a good, again, that's a good thoughtfulness that they that they keep that up. But I think they just start driving it the right way eventually. I um, also made a note that, similarly to April and Billy Zane, nobody seems to care about the cat. Well, yeah, my next note is just, I wrote, I wrote down, man, the dad is just so low energy. Well, which just, just a lot of this just throughout, or action do you mean- is. I think because I think this is the point where maybe they they've realized already that like they can't get away by car, um, because the critters like dismantle the cars or like, oh, something yeah, like just that. I guess the hell out of it. And it is like they're like in the living room, just sort of you know, f- figuring out life. Um, <laughs> just. Trying to figure but out it's how just to there's just not a sense of ur- of neither urgency nor I don't know sensitivity to to what's going on and I, the dad needs more mason jar coffee. I mean, I don't know if it's because cool, dad and mom are two they have two wildly different reactions to this. Dad, like you said, is pretty unenergetic, and then mom is just screaming the entire time, more or less. Um, until she like picks up a gun and finally kills one and seems to have all the courage in the world for ten seconds, um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Then we get the fuck. Oh, the best scene! Or <laughs> it's just like one critter. They have weapons. Another critter, and <laughs> <laughs> that one gets shot, <laughs> blows up, and <laughs> the first critter. Fuck! And of course, this is all in subtitles, with like. Critter language, but yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was but I mean, I mean, to beat a dead horse, I just I thought, oh, cool, like we'll get at least two or three more of that level of comedy energy. Yeah, I said energy again. Take a shot, Taryn. Because <laughs> I mean, every other time that they quote unquote speak, it's just about food. Right, and then it's, this is presented so much as a horror comedy. Yeah. What else is funny in this movie? Yeah, I mean, not mostly the critters. Yeah, and also like, what else like is deliberately funny? funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much. I mean, the dork from New York is pretty <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I mean, Brad has his moments. He says funny stuff every once in a while. I don't know if it's intentionally funny, though. I mean, he says the dork from New York <laughs> thing, but... Hilaire. Hilaire. <laughs> um, I don't know if, like, 
Charlie is meant to be funny at times? Question mark. Why is Charlie in the movie? Well, he he's in all of them, I'm pretty sure. Right, yeah, I read that. Yeah, that he's... Because we, we read that article, or you skimmed it. <laughs> Again, I don't research. And it said... The article said something like... It referred to him as, like, fan favorite. And who am I to... I guess go against the, the legion of critter fans, but why? I mean, you're more partial to M. Emmett Walsh anyway, but... <laughs> um... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, and that's another one of those, to skip ahead a little bit, that's another one of those head-scratching things where it seemed like in the beginning that, look, I am such a smart movie watcher, Taryn. I don't mean to make it sound like that, but. It seemed like this is it's a simple movie, right? I was mm-hmm. expecting, okay, so Brad is going to save the family with fireworks or a slingshot. Right. But Charlie saves the family with a Molotov cocktail. Right. <laughs> I just why wasn't it just Brad with us with a firecracker? Cuz and he cuz he attempts it, right? And it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Wait, does he? Or at least he like has the idea, but it's foiled or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Because he has two in his pockets, right? And he uses, does he use one of them on the critter in the farmhouse or in the barn? And then the other one is ends up being the Molotov cocktail? Or does he like reload it because this kid has access to all the fireworks ever? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't. Kind of similar to the to the last movie. My, we're not to that point yet, but I my notes kind of fizzled out towards the towards the end of uh, of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> oh, okay. I I googled. Um, Brad uh, drops a large firecracker. It, like, he misses the spaceship. And so that's how Charlie turns it into a Molotov cocktail. Made you, from his whiskey bottle. You had said, I'm a fan, and that was my favorite. I wrote that down. <laughs> Lies. Do you think the once the bounty hunt once the not Johnny Steele bounty hunter changes into the preacher, he kind of looks like Kevin Pollack? I don't know who that is. He does the William Shatner impression. What does the internet tell you? Am I spelling this person's name right? Yeah. I don't know who this is. You don't. Taryn. Now I got a vamp while you look for Kevin Pollack. Uh, Wayne's World 2? I thought you said Evan. Oh. He's the he's the bank teller in Wayne's World too. Yeah, I still got nothing. He was in that Christopher Guest family tree show that I thought was great, but they like canceled it after a season. That was like seven years ago. His name's Kevin Pollack. I don't know who this guy is. He's born that on is... Halloween Eve. All right, well. But anyway, I mean, now that you've seen pictures of him, don't you think he kind of looks like the not Johnny Steele bounty hunter? Mm. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Anyway. I thought after he bowled the, the you know, super strength alien strike that one of the pin busters was going to take off his shirt and say, like, do sort of like a, here, you need this, or I don't deserve this anymore. <laughs> but he didn't. So... My my next note is kind of a summary of, like, the action, in quotes. So, like, the mom gets porcupined, so she's knocked out for a little bit. Um, in reaction to that, the daughter just fucking rages and, like, starts throwing furniture around in, the, in their living room. And then Brad nearly sets the house on fire. Um, and then he eventually leaves them all there because he's the only one that can function anymore <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say so the next part of my notes are just a summary <laughs> of something completely unrelated I'd like you know, to talk it's, it's for a while notes. about the Oliver North trial <laughs> <laughs> if I could just take a second yeah, they're, so the, the bounty hunters are more increasingly more in public, and they're just not leaning in at all Mm-mm. to the Johnny Steele thing. So if John bon, if Bon Jovi walked into <laughs> your small-town bowling alley in 1986, nobody's saying, hey, it's Bon Jovi. Nobody would. You think that's Bon Jovi, right? Hey, is that Bon Jovi over there? So you're at the New Bohemia in St. Paul next to the Excel Center? <laughs> all right. Hey, Another one of the f- one of the few surviving. I know it's sad. It's one of your faves. I think it's like, I think there are maybe two left at this point. So Need yeah, that manhole they're all, pretzel. They're roaming around town. Nobody's recognizing them, destroying everything in their path. And M Emmett Walsh is woken from bed. <laughs> oh <laughs> to yeah, come deal with it. Because apparently the only other police officer in town has been killed. <laughs> Stacy's too busy washing her hair. Sally. Sally, sorry. Stacy. <laughs> uh. That's the E.T. scene. One of the critters are within there. Swirling around in there is the E.T. scene. The critter mutilates the E.T. doll. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to call him something we, nasty. We recall. Um, and, and then, then we get, I swear, we get an M. Emmett Walsh cam. Do we? What seemed like it, which is obviously pretty weird. I don't recall this. When M. Emmett, so I wrote down M. Emmett Walsh cam, question mark. <laughs> is he like driving? It's when he arrives at the Brown residence. Oh. I didn't trademark this one, though. Shucks. <laughs> M. Emmett Walsh probably has. I think he's still alive. He's probably getting some M. Emmett so. Walsh cam royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brad tries to get his bike, but there are critters. And he, then he, that's when he apprehends the bounty hunters. Yeah, he like jumps into their, their car under the assumption that they are police officers. 
And then we finally get, hey, you're Johnny Steele. And that was the end of that. (laughs) And then my hat flew off my head. (laughs) Also, he's in all of the Critters movies, too. Terrence Mann. Yes. Yeah. The very little research that I did, I saw that. And that's, see, that's another, (laughs) very much a broken record at this point, but that, it's, the whole him teaming up with the bounty hunters for a little bit of it, too, just felt so odd in, like, a reverse E.T., because he's Elliot, and the bounty hunters, I guess, are, like, the government. Yeah. And there's conflict there in E.T. for obvious purposes, but the bounty hunters are the government and critters, and they want the same thing. Which just like it just like wasn't that thrilling because there's really not a lot of drama or conflict here. It's like, yeah, you found the bounty hunters. You both want to kill critters. Right. So let's just get on with it. <laughs> also, so the, they've been the the bounty hunters refer to the the critters as crites the entire time, right? And then we we finally hear the term critter. Because that's what Brad names names them in that moment, and I'm like, I mean, I get it's the name of the movie, but I'm like, that that's the scariest name this could come up with, <laughs> critters. <laughs> then I have why is Charlie, but we covered that. <laughs> Just why is Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing I have is the ship explode, or the yeah, the ship exploding. Which oh, I th- yeah. think might just be an alternative angle of the house exploding. I didn't rewatch it, but it seemed like that. Because what? Ex- oh yeah, the house would have exploded first. Well, we totally missed something here. The giant critter. Oh yeah, yeah. I could have that. Yeah, I said I want to see more giant critter, but in the long list of plants that don't pay off. There's, I kept expecting a really, yeah, big giant critter moment. You see like (laughs) bits and pieces of him, like his arm reaching through the dresser, or his hand rather, and then you do. There's like a Kool Aid Man moment where it like bursts through the wall, and then the only other time you really see it is on the ship, but it's kind of not distorted, but just. It's not a full view of it, which was really disappointing because it's on the. The one of the posters. Well, it's like the yeah. Is that supposed so? Is the poster that would be the the giant critter? I would assume so because it looks larger, like its limbs look larger yeah. than. There's nothing for size, and of course, but yeah, because like the little critters, they Wait, is he standing next to a penny on the poster? What no for scale? Shut up. <laughs> um, but like his arms and his feet have more just evolved (laughs) lengths and claws and yeah I don't know so kind of a lot of hype for this big critter and then you don't really see him yeah pretty disappointing which and I was very excited that there was a giant critter because that was not in the third movie um (laughs) so that was exciting. Well, I would say there's there's not in the first movie either. Oh, I mean, yeah, but 
Um, oh, I also have a note here about how the bounty hunters have terrible aim. <laughs> like, pretty sure they don't kill any of them. And don't those guns come back? I think the 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 movie really wanted me to note the oh the bounty hunter sort guns? of protracting like barrel of their space guns. And I think in my oh yeah 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 as I've poked around the internet about the the sequels, it looks like well the guns are back. I mean the bounty hunters are back, so it would make sense. The guns are really a character in the movie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has a I think the trailer the Oceans the Oceans 12 trailer must be an homage to the Critters 2 trailer where the Critters 2 trailer says they're back all of them <laughs> even the guns even the guns even the protracting space guns <laughs> I got in one last again they're not reacting to Johnny Steele <laughs> Like if Madonna comes to your farm to save you from aliens, you, there's going to be at least some reaction. <laughs> you you would think. Brad seems to be the only one that knows what's up, though. I mean, he does have the police poster. <laughs> My last note is, oh yeah, there was a score the whole time. There was a score the whole time. Um. I guess, yeah, I have a few final notes where, like, the real Charlie emerges again to save the day with his Molotov cocktail. Um, I thought it was kind of, I mean, it wasn't funny that they blew up the house, but it was funny that they blew up the house and you hear the critters giggling about it. <laughs> um, but then they explode in the end, so. And that was, yeah, there's, we talked about the, the whole Gremlins thing. Is it a ripoff of Gremlins? Isn't it? And surely this wouldn't be in the script if the bulk of the script, I get the sense that probably the the bulk of this was written in 82 when Muir first wrote a draft. But, and maybe it's because I was approaching this too much, um, in uh or with the expectation that it was a more direct gremlins thing i kept expecting there the critters just be fleshed out more like it's like oh that's the critter that's really maniacal or that's like and this is more gremlins too i guess where it's like oh that that's the critter that's kind of dopey and that's the critter who just wants to like eat all the food and like there's just not so you wanted the critters to be more like the seven dwarfs i get yeah right <laughs> where's the sneezing critter <laughs> there's the wise old critter with glasses <laughs> which i guess again is like gremlins too right there's the there's the smart gremlin there's the like brain dead gremlin i retract my statement you retract your statement all right um I, then I guess my my final note was about the cat. I was worried about the cat the entire movie because <laughs> I was assuming that at any point they were just going to find the cat mutilated somewhere and I was going to be devastated <laughs> um, because I get more upset about dead animals than I do about dead humans in movies, I guess. But um, so there were... They, they find it at the end, and I'm like, oh, good. The cat is saved. 
Um, and then it like jumps out of Brad's arms or something and the house like collapses or whatever. And I'm like, great. So they saved the cat and now it's dead because of this stupid house. Um, and they find it in the mailbox. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) It's so bizarre. But so the cat's fine, everybody. It's okay. And when the cat comes out of the mailbox, do you think he kind of looked like Kevin Pollack? Oh my God, stop. I should have said he looked like he looked more like William Shatner. You have any I don't other? think. Oh, what's that? I was going to say, do you have any other notes? But you're going to make a joke. so. <laughs> it's not that jokey. I'm surprised they didn't lean into having Terrence Mann be in some of the scenes with the cat. Because he's from the original cats. Or at least the original American cats. Oh, I see. I think he's the he's the original Broadway Rum Tum Tugger. Wait, who? Terrence Mann. Oh, t- I, <laughs> this entire time I thought you were saying Terrence, as in Terrence me Mann. Man, I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, I think you're right. Wait, your current boyfriend in 2021 isn't in Critters? <laughs> no. Shockingly enough. I thought your boyfriend wrote Sunset Boulevard. No. That hit song from 2004. He was Rum Tum Tugger. Taryn, I do my research. I guess you do. He was also in a chorus line. He went from a chorus line to Critter. Oh, is he the director? Like the man behind the... I've never seen a chorus line. His character's name was Larry, if that helps you. I'm guessing he's from the titular chorus line. Not the behind the scenes director. Anywho. <laughs> the Rum Tum Tugger's the playful cat. Any more notes? No, that was all I had. All right. More Same. pages than a new beginning. By like half a page. I'm shocked. Half a page and probably half a Probably because you've never seen it before. I mean, yeah, I probably. had more notes too because of that. Well, let's start decorating this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm s- sorry. I was looking at the Wikipedia of this, and I didn't know um, that there was a um, a web series. Oh, yeah, yeah. The New Binge, right? A New Binge? Like, what? <laughs> That's an awesome name. Anywho, uh, awards. Uh, I mean, I've already talked about mine. For the what the hell award? What was you? What was your what the hell? The garbage disposal. Oh, that's my best scare. Oh, okay. That my what the my hell, hell which I guess I've always already also talked about, is the the slingshot scene. It's the closest mm. to the the chocolate bar scene. But yeah. I mean, that's not to say there is a chocolate bar scene in this movie. It doesn't reach that pitch. No. But. Uh, that was dumb. I mean, I very organically was, you know, we locked eyes from across the room. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, slingshot scene. Best scare. You just the, the cassette tapes. Yeah, the, I, I labeled it as the barn critter, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> He's the barn one. <laughs> there's the playful critter. There's the smart critter, the barn there's, critter. There's the Kool-Aid critter. <laughs> Uh, yes, so. Best dress to kill? So, 
My best dressed minus to kill is Sally. I can barely picture Sally. Was She's got like the polka dot dress, which is something I would totally wear. Um, and she's got like makeup that's on point and not too 1980s, which is great. Uh, she just looked fabulous. So if you Google Critter Sally, the fourth thing that comes up is Sally and Lil Ranch Critters. Oh, at one point she has curlers in her hair too, which made me happy. That was a good pick. I like that dress. <laughs> My well, I mean, mine is obviously that the dad of that pitbuster shirt. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I do think an honorable mention should go to the um, the bounty hunters, though, with their very like pleather. Oh, very like coats. yeah. It's very. They look. And this might have even come first. It's just very sort of late, second half of the 80s, early 90s, uh, like superhero, just like sharp, shoulder padded mm-hmm. shoulders. And he, they look like, they look kind of like Cable from the X-Men. I mean, their costumes are the most elaborate. Oh, <gasps> the bartender. I'm trying to remember. With his like, his short sleeved Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Let's see what comes up when you search bartender critters. Okay, not bad. Honorable mention. Not great, but... Did you mean the snowman pin? The third thing that came up when I googled bartender critters is a little snowman enamel pin. Oh, it is kind of cute. Cute. He's got a little, like, cocktail glass in front of him. (laughs) Anyways. Anywho. (laughs) Uh. Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay. What's so, your food pairing for critters? So my, it's kind of a stretch, but my choice for this was um, brec- any kind of breakfast food, simply because it has, there's that. Wait a minute. Slow down. What? This is such a stretch. It is, because it's the only thing I come up with, and the reason I chose what, it was serving because- serving it for dinner? Can I talk? Sorry. <laughs> um, there's- and this this scene comes up in a lot of movies that have, you know, like stay-at-home mom, two kids, dad does some sort of manual labor, um, is there's the breakfast scene where mom makes this, you know, breakfast that probably took a decent amount of time, and the kids eat two bites of it, and then they dip. Hmm. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. I think I just really want kids to eat their breakfast before they go to school. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only food thing I can come up with. Well, I don't want to fall too far into the habit of just pairing it with things that appear in the movie. And I guess this is, is both that and not that, but some mason jar cold brew. Hmm. I can see that. I think I could convert Billy Greenbush from the from the hot to the cold. I mean, maybe. <laughs> is he still alive? Just let him know uh, how we thought he was Billy Bush. <laughs> I got some. He's, he'll he'll walk in and say, "You got some cold brew for the bushy." I've never seen him in the same room at the same time. <laughs> Bust off, feed me Seymour quiz. You're gonna have to go first with this one because I I have an idea, you're but still I don't thinking? think you're gonna like my answer. <laughs> I got you as the critter who says fuck. Yes. <laughs> 
Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> you got your dumb critter, your smart critter, your critter who says fuck. <laughs> I, that's pretty on point and on brand for me. <laughs> Would it be terrible if I said you were the one that got blown or blown up? <laughs> well, a couple, like three of them get. Well, no, like well, don't two of two of them get blown up? I th- at a, least a number of them do, but I mean they're like a duo. Oh, I see. Okay, the one. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who who gets blown up, prompting the other one to say fuck. Yeah. Okay. I'm not ET. Why would you be ET? No, the ET stuffed animal. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I just. That? It's the first thing that came into my head. I can. I was going to say that you were um, the mom, because I feel like that's how you, would, how you would act in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. Well, she's at least, I don't know if she's in all of them, but she's in the, the I guess you'd call it a reboot. And I think. Oh, in like the 2019 stuff? Yeah. And I think they finally get. They're finally aware of what they have, and she's more of a more more overtly a badass mm. in the 2019 one. Gotcha. Let's hand out some chainsaws. Is like, the greatest movie? Mm-hmm. Is is the best thing you ever chainsaw? No, it is not. Um, how it's nostalgic for me and near and dear to my heart for reasons um i did find it more entertaining than the other the friday the 13th movie we watched i kind of want to give it an eight whoa eight chainsaws you know because how not it's definitely not an unpredictable movie but there were aspects of it that I wasn't expecting and um, made it more enjoyable for me. It wasn't as it wasn't super formulaic. Um, there's a critter that says "fuck," <laughs> like that gives it like six stars for me right there, or six chainsaws. My bad. Well, you said six. Wait, six or eight? Chainsaws. No, I'm saying that the 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 critter who says "fuck" alone gives it six. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's worth his weight in six chainsaws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely higher than I am. Oh, I fully expected that. <laughs> it was it overperformed as a normal movie viewing experience for me and underperformed pretty significantly as a so bad it's good movie viewing experience i don't i don't know if i would ever re-watch it which is a big criteria for me like we could like we could we could hit the stop button here and pop in friday the 13th part five and we'd call it a good day makes sense because i i would flip it around (laughs) but yeah i don't as i I was was saying i'd like the the journey it took me on in terms of you know what what i ended up researching and you know certain like little connections and you know, i i think i had more fun maybe like discussing some of the stuff with you like it, it kind of 
has more nodes <laughs> than <laughs> than the than a new beginning, but has like a total package. I I would probably give it like I think like four chainsaws. That's okay. Critters <laughs> three is far superior. I'm not hurt though. It's okay. Well, we did it. One critter down. Three more to go. <laughs> yeah, three more to three more to go. We'll do our next mission is definitely critters two. I'm curious to see how the uh, how the critters change visually from one to two. Well, I know we get the we get the critter battle sphere in this one. And it's in the trailer, so it's not like a big critter on the on the poster for critters situation where they they tease a bunch of critters in a ball. I guess it's like a rat king critter and it's not actually in the movie, but we watched the trailer after watching Critters last week and I it it, it the trailer at least has a rat king critter <laughs> in that's what it's called, right? A rat king? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just I'm laughing. too afraid to Google it. A rat king is when there's such a preponderance of rats that they're all just sort of like tangled, like literally and physically around. Like their their tails might even be tangled, and they're just like one clump of rats. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Did you Google it? Yeah. And you're still here. <laughs> yeah. Their tails are intertwined and bound together. <sighs> I mean, they don't look happy, but. <laughs> Did you know anybody with a pet rat? No, but I always wanted one. Oh, my God. But since we lived too close to a river, this was my parents' excuse. We lived too close to a river, so I couldn't have one. Instead, I was able to get a hamster, who I named Hamster. It died about two years later, and it's in my family's deep freeze because it died in the winter, and we couldn't bury it outside. So now it's just in the freezer in our basement. Still? Still. I've brought it up to my mother several times. I'm like, why is this thing still in the basement? This is like 20 years old. Also, why is this thing called hamster? I thought I was funny and ironic as a 12-year-old. Well, that was a hard left turn. I was going to say, is that how we end the pod? I look. I was setting. I was at least setting myself up to get to say that the the head of the Boy Scouts, or I guess Cub Scouts, the the dad who led the Cub Scouts when I was a kid, his daughter had a rat, had a pet albino rat. See, that's exactly and what it I was wanted. Disgusting and terrifying. <laughs> I always wanted a rat. Look at that. You'll never know. What'll come up on best thing I ever chainsaw? Start with a story about a Christmas Carol, and you end with a story about how Taryn always wanted a rat and had to settle for a hamster. How it started, wanted a rat. <laughs> how it's going, I got a frozen, 20-year-old dead frozen hamster. My parents now have that. Thank you. I also learned what a deep freeze is. Well, yeah, it's just one of those, like... Giant freezers. Okay. 
don't we had a family of like six a normal freezer would not have sufficed did the back of your did the car have the window cling that's like six kids and then at the end of the chain it's a dead frozen hamster (laughs) (sighs) if i could only go back in time it would (laughs) all right play it again taryn Thank you.